Welcome back to the Nuggets Inc. podcast brought to you by the First Amendment. We are without Matt Schubert today, our sports editor at the Denver Post. So instead, we're joined by a special guest, one who the listeners are probably very familiar with already if they listened to this podcast feed before this season. We're going to talk a little bit about Joel Embiid, because what else is there to talk about right now? That, a game, the Nuggets' brutal 10-game stretch of the schedule, and more coming up. Welcome back to the Nuggets, Inc. podcast. I'm Bennett Durando, your Nuggets beat writer at the Denver Post. I was supposed to be joined by our esteemed sports editor, Matt Schubert, as usual, um, but a, this crazy thing happened. I was pulling into the office parking lot about 10 minutes before we were supposed to record, and I check my phone and I see a tweet from Woj uh, saying that, that Matt will be out for this podcast, dealing with some knee soreness, a last-second scratch. And so, instead, we're joined by none other than my predecessor, Mike Singer, making his glorious return in Matt's absence today. Apologies. Sorry about that, Bennett. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> tweeted about me. Yeah, no one tweeted. You're the fill-in. The um, return. Obviously, there are a lot of narratives out there about would, Matt right now. Would and, you call me Paul Reed in this instance? You, you are Paul Reed. You're about to drop 30 in this podcast, All I right. think. So, uh yeah, a lot of narratives out there about Matt um, ducking the smoke when Mike is involved in the podcast. Uh, he's going to have to answer to that next week, but for now, it's great to have you back. How have you been? I'm good. Was Matt on the injury report with knee soreness or no? It just it just popped up. I was shocked. That's crazy. Yeah. I had just parked. Um, Can the Denver Post find him for that or no? I didn't know we were a big enough deal for Woj to tweet about, honestly. Real um, real curious. That was significant. Yeah, we'll see if there's an investigation. Um, We're a few days removed from uh, the latest in Embiid, Denver Gate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's four times in a row. Did you workshop that one? That's pretty good, Bennett. Embiid, Uh, Denver Gate. Yeah, (laughs) clearly I put a ton of thought into that. it's uh, it's really a thing now. If it wasn't before, um, the manner in which this one happened uh, kind of assured that it is a national story at this point. It has still been since 2019 since Joel Embiid has actually played in Denver. Um, it's a last-second scratch, as you just alluded to. Uh, he was not on the injury report in the build-up to the game. In fact... Philadelphia's 76ers PR gave an injury update ruling Maxie and Harris out um, right before Nick Nurse's pregame press conference. There was no mention of Embiid even being questionable or probable or anything like that at that point. And then suddenly right before the game, um, we learn about the knee soreness. It was apparently a a bad sign in the pregame warmup. But nonetheless, it was fuel to the fire and uh, the fans in Denver certainly, were ki- they were kind of a mixture of, of disappointed and and like gleeful about it because they were just able to troll for the entire game pretty it much. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, that game, when they're chanting, where's Embiid at? After uh, somebody interrupts the national anthem uh, at one of the breaking points with Embiid's a coward and pretty much like half the arena starts busting up. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell there was some vitriol and and definitely some animosity at how this played out. And the thing that's so silly 
from the 76ers perspective is they did Joel Embiid zero favors because if he really was hurt, you know, as it seems to be because he didn't play last night against Portland, then why wouldn't you suggest it or make it a possibility that he might sit out rather than rather than open yourself up to this vitriol and getting fined, which I'll, you know, I'll bet my left leg that, uh, that, uh, that's going to happen. Like I just, you know, and, and in terms of like narrative stuff, um, does Joel Embiid prefer to not quote unquote not be injured and then be ruled out at the last moment? Does that help his cause in in whatever you know political fashion you think he could benefit from it? Like, of course not. Like they did him no favors, and it's pretty apparent to me that he was injured because Nick Nurse said after the game he said he did he looked good against San Antonio. He didn't look good against Indiana. He used the word concerned. Nick Nurse did. And so, you know, the, the the poignant question is, if you were concerned coming out of the Indiana game, then why weren't you on the injury report leading into the Denver game? And did you just not want to hear the noise for two days leading into the Nuggets game? It, Yeah, I mean, that that sort of makes sense as an explanation, but it just ends up being way worse It, it may, ends up being louder yeah. after the fact. It, when it is that abrupt... And, and everyone is thinking about it going into the game. There is so much anticipation. The NBA has built its its rivalry weekend triple header partially around this matchup. It's Because it's not like the Nuggets and Sixers are heated rivals. Well, it's They are trying to market the Jokic and Bede rivalry and put it on ABC. And that's what Malone said pregame. He said, you know, somebody asked him, is this a rivalry? He's like, no, we see them twice a year. We we'd obviously only see them in the finals. Uh, the NBA is trying to market this Jokic and Bede thing. Cool. Makes sense. Everybody gets it. Until you pull the rug out from under Joel Embiid and he's out. And, um, you, you know, since 2019 and the, the the really difficult part is that it seems I think we can all agree he, he's injured to some degree and that and that's fine. Um, but you know what you lose in the absence of all these absences, you lose the benefit of the doubt. And last season when he did not play in Denver and then returned the very next game, mm-hmm. um, another dubious, questionable uh, absence from Joel Embiid. And so in the in the vacancy of him commenting on this, all we have to go off of are cons- multiple absences in, in a row. Um, you know, for a guy ostensibly who, who's gunning for a second MVP, and um, you know, obviously the, the the big man battle against Nikola Jokic. And and the other thing that I, the other point I want to make is the Philadelphia 76ers held training camp at Colorado Springs. Why did they hold Fort Collins? Colorado State. Oh yeah, my my bad. Same difference. Yeah, yeah not my really, fault. But <laughs> my fault. So why did they hold it in Colorado? Well, um, uh, they say that the air is thin here, and they say that uh, you're, you're theoretically supposed to work on conditioning. Um, could that play a role in Joel Embiid's unwillingness to participate in these games? And is he aware that should these two teams meet in the finals, he would again theoretically need to participate in those games at? Uh, Mile high. Probably. He would probably need to participate for them to win uh, an NBA Finals. We're talking um, about a participation <laughs> trophy in the NBA Finals. That's the level of like 
like laughability that we're talking about with Joel Embiid right now. So there are a few layers to this. Michael Malone says after the game, I don't know how you go from being active, available, to out, and I'm sure the league will do their due diligence because that's frowned upon. And we've had situations this year where we talked to the league and they told us if a player goes from being active to out, there's going to be an investigation. So I'm sure that'll happen. He also went on to say, as you mentioned, Mike, um, that he did trust that Embiid was hurt. Um, but why why obfuscate <laughs> word drop? The 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 news. If you're the seven seizures, it's so dumb. So the player participation policy um introduced this season uh has specific language about star players uh and how teams should ensure that their healthy star players are available for all national television broadcasts. This was a national television broadcast, it was on ABC. Um, it was a premier game. It fits the uh, criteria for what the NBA was specifically talking about in that rule within the PPP. There's also a rule outlined in that policy um, that requests that teams ensure one-game absences for star players are balanced between home games and road games with a preference toward home games because uh, fans on the road Pay large ticket prices yeah. um, to see these guys, and and obviously Embiid Denver is l- like prime example number one right now of that um, being a thing since it's been five years going on six at this point. So him missing the Portland game sort of removes that one game absence thing from the equation, I guess. If if you're looking for one way for the Sixers Sounds to like avoid you're going getting down a rabbit fined. hole, Bennett, are you going down a rabbit hole? But 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 the reason I bring this stuff up is because it speaks to a larger picture here which is uh the mvp race and some of these rules are also going to be directly involved in uh the litigation of these awards at the end of the year where players are required to appear for 20 or more minutes in 65 or more games to get all nba to get mvp those kinds of things and Embiid has uh missed a lot of games he is already running out of games that he can afford to miss with these two uh, I believe he is up to, I'm doing a quick count so that I don't mess it up. He's missed 12 games. Right. You can miss 17 and still be it. Right, so uh, five more for the rest. Yes. Um, yeah, all, all that's true. He's definitely going to be up against it, and he may not. He may, he may forfeit the MVP as a result of that. And the, the word forfeit, is it fair to use the word forfeit? I don't know if you're really hurt. We can litigate that too. I, I just wanted to make one other point about um, if I was a Philadelphia 76er and I saw how that whole thing played out, I would be irritated with Joel. And the reason why is Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris sat on the bench for the entire game, right? They're playing against the, the Nuggets the defending champions and, and it's mostly the Paul Reed all-stars, um, you know, are playing against the Nuggets. Cool. Uh, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris are sitting there, you know, you know, rooting for their guys, like giving them insight, doing whatever, getting getting on them in timeouts, whatever. They're they're being good teammates. Joel Embiid comes out and sits on the 76ers bench with like five minutes left in the game when it's like a one <laughs> possession game and and it's like the Paul Reed All Stars are making a game of this. I mean, I didn't use the word front runner, but one could use the word front runner when you decide to make yourself available or known or present um, when the game is still competitive. 
if I'm a Philadelphia 76er and I'm sitting on the bench, I think that's a little whack. It certainly seemed like he was leaning into the bit as much as possible. Uh, he's egging on the crowd as he comes out. Like, like he is extremely acutely aware of all of this stuff, clearly. He is way more online than Jokic. Like, that is a... Yeah, yeah, but he, le, le, he invites the MVP discussion a little bit more. All of that, so of like, course he does. And and so you ask yourself, what's his motivation? A, but B, the other the other salient point that I think that I think will maybe potentially come to fruition if these two teams meet in the finals is there. Like, uh, you guys know this. Uh, Nikola Jokic is among the most competitive people uh, like I've ever been around. I've ever seen. There is no world where he does not own a mental edge over Joel Embiid if these two teams meet in the finals. This dude has not... Nikola Jokic, say whatever you want about him, but he shows up every single season in Philadelphia. We've talked ad nauseum about that Joel Embiid is not available in Denver. Um, you don't think that Jokic owns that that little mental space when in the finals all those little things matter? And, and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe Philadelphia doesn't make it all the way to the finals. But if they do... Uh, you can be damn sure that Joker is not scared of Joel Embiid um, in a way that you can't be so sure, vice versa. Certainly. So the all-time record head-to-head now is remains 6-2 to two for Embiid. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm just getting emotional with Mike back. Uh, but Aren't we all? Only two of those games have been in Denver uh, in their careers. The last one was, of course, when Jokic hit that game winner in 2019. Um it's funny and a little ironic because if Embiid does play, I think there's kind of an argument to be made that um, maybe the rationale from the Sixers was Maxie's already out, Harris is already out, let's just sit the other big guy um, in our starting lineup and, and sort of forfeit this one, be ready for the next one. Uh, the Nuggets don't play well. They're off of a five-game road trip. They are sluggish defensively for three quarters of that game. I, I think the Sixers were shooting 74% from two-point range at halftime. They ended up around 62, but uh, they win by 22 in the paint, even without Embiid. It was not a great game for the Nuggets. If Embiid plays that game, then I think the Sixers maybe win just with the way that the Nuggets were playing. Yeah. And and it's, and it's, it's just a missed opportunity in a way for Embiid, right? Because... If he wins that game without Maxi and Harris in Denver, yeah, it helps then argument. suddenly he has so much bragging capital and and you know, there's the discourse around the whole thing is completely different. Like, oh, Embiid silences everyone by coming into Denver and winning without his second and third options. During the 2019-20 season, Joker went to Salt Lake City with six other teammates available. <laughs> went into Utah and beat the Utah Jazz in a place where they have historically struggled. And he didn't really care that he didn't have the backups or the reserves. It was it was Joker and Vlatko Chanchar and Monte, Jamal, Torrey Craig, PJ, and one other person I'm forgetting. And they did it. So it's doable. And I just don't think you could – I mean, what do they say? Availability is is a skill. Joker shows up. And, you know, all the caveats included, you know, that we cover the Nuggets, that's fine. Um, I just, you, you, in the absence of Joel weighing in, uh, the optics look horrible. And when there's, when, when there's a vacancy, 
that's where you get to make your assumptions, um, both from a journalistic standpoint and from a fan standpoint. Mm. So, so my one other question for you, as as someone who's been around the league longer than me, obviously, um, who you've been a voter for awards, all that kind of stuff. Um, you're familiar with the whole voter fatigue conversation that came up last year with Jokic in the MVP race. If is there an impact that you can see happening in MVP voting? Uh, because of the way this played out, even if Embiid does make it to 65 games, is it so prominent at this point and such a a just a storyline that people are aware of that that it could sort of work in reverse effect on Embiid this year? I, I can only speak for myself. Uh, it absolutely affected my opinion. Um, I think I was one of 15 or 16 voters last year who voted Joker for uh, for MVP. I think I had – I forget if Embiid was second or third. He must have been second. He, he might have been third to Giannis. I, honestly, I don't remember. But I remember being so – it left a sour taste in my mouth when he did not show up in, in Denver. And then, like I mentioned, returned the next game um, after a long absence. So, like, he's clearly like – imagine that calculus, man. And I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know he doesn't play as many games on the road as he does at home. And, you know, against the 500 teams, maybe it's – he's more up to sit – uh, on the road and and you know somebody can parse that and say I'm wrong and all that stuff but imagine that thinking like to have to look at the opponent what's the record who's their opposing big man how's my knee feeling imagine thinking all that that would be exhausting and annoying and frustrating and again if I'm a 76ers teammate I'm looking at you man what's Joe all on today where's his head at you know we're, we got a big game in in Miami Bam's been looking good. Like, is my guy riding with me or is my guy ri- not riding with me? And with Jokic, there's not that. There's never that question. He wants to play every game. He gets pissed when he sits. He gets pissed when they try to curb his minutes for rest. He doesn't like it. Like, th- there's just different approaches. And again, everybody can make their own opinions. I would be remiss not to mention the one other bit of context with this whole thing, which is, first of all, when the teams played 11 days earlier in Philly, Sixers were coming off of a back-to-back. They're in the second game of a back-to-back. They played the previous afternoon at home. Um, Embiid had been dealing with with knee stuff. He had missed a couple games um, before that Houston game, before the back-to-back, and there was pretty much no doubt that he was going to play the second game of that back-to-back. He was he was all in on that game. Um, Nurse, Nurse was adamant that Embiid was going to play that game. So you go from having missed three games due to mild injury to suddenly I'm willing to play Jokic at home in the second game of this back-to-back in spite of that. Then obviously it's a different scenario on the road. So, and and the other thing about it is that Jokic dealing with a kind of gross eye injury from the New York game um, that affected his vision. He said after that game in the locker room, uh, it was getting better. Now it's getting worse, which sort of left right. some question as to like how the next 36 hours were going to go for him. Um he look, uh, look the record play through it. The, the availability of the record is the record. There's yeah. not there's, there's nothing to parse. There's no disputing it. And the uh, we've beat this. This is a dead horse, dead. Yeah. But but it's not entirely dead because I got one more point to make. <laughs> um, like you know, I've covered Joker for a long time, and and I've been a Philly four or five times, and every time after those games, he's peppered on questions on Joel Embiid, and 
every single time this dude takes the high road and is super complimentary of him. He is amazing. He, I think he's called him maybe the most dominant player in the league before. He's just mm-hmm. and, saying and, this last time, right? Yeah. He, it's it's funny because Joker is way more media savvy than anybody realizes. Like he he he'll he'll regurgitate the same lines that you if, if you go back and look he says the same things he has party lines for every answer um which makes it hard to ask him questions but he um he has been ex- so complimentary of of Joel and even after this last one someone twi- tried to question Joker about Embiid he didn't play and he still took the high road and was like this dude is amazing it what regardless of you who you're a fan of you have to appreciate how unstoppable he is how dominant he is all this stuff and it's like if you never have to like wonder the authenticity of what he's saying and you know when at when Joel hung 47 on them in 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 Philly, and he says, you know, Jokic is the best player. I can't help but take that with a grain of salt because he he portrays himself as a troll, and so he's like, what are what are fans supposed to think when this you hang forty seven on Joker and yet you deem him the best player? Are you elevating yourself? Are you being genuine? It's it's hard for me to take it at face value. So I just think that again, as somebody who is who has seen how Nicola handles these situations for years. Um, he does not take, there's no bait to take. He doesn't believe in taking bait. He's being honest and he's trying to, you know, prop up, uh, his opponents because he doesn't believe in individual battles. He hates them. He, it's stupid. He goes, it's a team game. What are we doing? Talking about individual stuff. This is, this is the antithesis of who I am, what I believe in and how basketball is played. So the one counter I could maybe make is that after this game, um, Jokic gets about three straight questions immediately about Embiid, and um, and then Paul Reed comes up and he says, uh, "I think that Paul Reed should be getting more attention than Joel over this," which I think is a, partially him tired of answering Embiid questions. Yes, yes, and it and it's certainly a, like like an earnest like Paul Reed deserves credit for this kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, there is a, if if you wanted to. If you're a hater, you could sort of see it as like, oh, that's his little way of just pushing uh, him beat off the pedestal a tiny bit. I guess so, but <laughs> I mean, Joker's a hooper's hooper. You yeah. know, yeah. what wh- what else do we need to say? Yeah. Um it's uh it's fascinating. I'm not sure that we're going to see Jokic and Bead the rest of the year. Um but we can have this conversation again next season. Maybe we'll have you back on the pod just for that uh, when the occasion comes and Embiid is is unavailable to play in Denver. Um, we, we know Matt will be on the injury report. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, the Nuggets' brutal 10-game stretch in January against a lot of playoff teams. There's one game left in that stretch so far. I'm going to quickly go over my all-star ballot. Mike can judge me if he wants. Uh as, That's all, all I do all day. As the <laughs> teacher to my pupil, and then we're going to do a little past and present beat writer game to finish up the show. Hey there, everyone. Just wanted to let you know, for the Nugget fan in your life, or maybe for yourself, we've got a book on the championship season that was for the Denver Nuggets. They're hanging a banner. We're selling books. The book is gold standard. How the Denver Nuggets won their first NBA championship all sorts of great stories and photos. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Welcome back. We are still joined by Mike Singer here. We're going to talk a little bit about this uh, pretty crazy stretch of the Nuggets schedule. It's funny because um, 
beginning of January, we had a conversation with Matt about how it felt like the Nuggets were kind of getting through the meat of their schedule. They played nine back-to-backs, I think it was, in the first 37 games of the year, leaving them with four in the last 45 games of the year. And so you're thinking, okay, fatigue shouldn't be as much of an issue. Um, They should be able to get through uh, the schedule just a lot more easily. They have some stretches with two off days and three off days instead of sort of the constant churn of this stuff and playing on 24 hours rest. But you look at the opponents uh, in January right after that stretch, and that's not exactly the case. You have New Orleans, Indiana, at Philly, at Boston, at Washington. That's the one outlier. At Indiana, at New York, Philly, Milwaukee, at OKC. Crazy stretch. Nine of the ten games are against playoff teams. You've got a lot of, like, all NBA candidates, MVP candidates in that stretch. It wraps up with Shea on the road. Um, Tomorrow I will be there in OKC. Um, In the meantime, it's interesting because they're 7-2 and in that stretch. They've been very happy with the way they've played. Um, But if you look at some of the stats from throughout the stretch, it's not like... They are dominating the league in this seven and two stretch. During during this, they are fifteenth in offense in the last nine games. Um, they are tenth in defense. That's solid. I think a large. I mean, I think the defense is really what sort of has earned the biggest cap tip from this stretch, especially down the stretch in games. Uh, their net rating is just zero point seven. That's fourteenth in the league. Assist to turnover. They are twenty second. And this is a team that is pretty much consistently around number one or number two in the league as a whole. Um, they haven't had as many assists in the last few games in particular. Um, and a true shooting hasn't been efficient either. They've been shooting the three poorly the last five games or so. Um, they're just finding ways to win games in spite of all that against really good teams. And uh, it's the kind of stretch that I think leaves you encouraged if they can sort of get through a tough just like chunk of the season like this, even when the analytics don't necessarily look great. And and we know what they are capable of analytically. Uh, we know how, what their offensive ceiling is in particular. I, I just think it's like a really encouraging stretch that, that maybe they haven't played all their best basketball during this. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're still just a half game out of first place behind Minnesota after all that, um, the games, the back to backs, this daunting stretch, uh, I remember this happened last year, too, where the schedule eased up the second half of the year, and they play, I think, the majority of their games in the second half of the year after the All-Star Bigger home games. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, not all of them, but a fair amount. The schedule lightens up. So the fact that you're already well-positioned in the two-seed and can gain in the second half is – is a testament to their, I think, fortitude and resiliency and, you know, you know, Yes, the numbers don't look great, but some of those wins are are pretty significant. Certainly, the Boston win. Um, you you, you lo- the losses there. You lose to Philly and you get smoked by the Knicks. Which I'm gonna uh, you know pull back the curtain. A couple reporters reached out to me before that game when they're like they anticipated them getting waxed that game because <laughs> I mean. It, in the NBA, more than any other sport, you can anticipate schedule losses. And that was the end of a grueling road trip where they went through 15 time zones, um, you know, give or take 13 time zones. And, um, you know, they went East Coast, Midwest, back to the East Coast. And it's just like, 
and, and then they come home for, as Malone was excited about the matinee uh, afternoon game against Philly. So, uh, yeah, they've been through the grinder, and they came out the other side. And who knows what happens with OKC, but, the, I mean, I think that the top four seeds are, are, are pretty well solidified. I'm curious what you think. It's Minnesota, Denver, OKC, and then the Clippers are coming. Like the Clippers are a scary, sure. scary team. Yeah. Not particularly in that order, of course. But Well, right now, that's what I'm saying for yeah. the standings. Mm-hmm. Are, are those, in, in your opinion, are those the top four? Are those the, the, the teams that are looking at home court advantage? Or do you think Sacramento, do you think Phoenix or Dallas can sneak in there? Or it, you know, do you think those are pretty solidified? I I have trouble ruling out Phoenix. I think they're playing pretty well lately. Um, I think if those three guys are actually healthy at the same time, and I know it's a lot to ask, um, there is some potential for them to go on a surge that's kind of reminiscent of what the Clippers have been doing since the beginning of December. Um, so I, that's the one thing that you know you can maybe see flipping. Who would um, they supplant? That's the tough question about yeah. it. Um, it's like, and you know, we're going to see what happens at the deadline here. Like, does does OKC do anything to bolster themselves? Are they content for this season with what they have? Um, I I go back and forth like every three days or so on on Minnesota because I watch them and I'm so impressed every single time. But it's, what do you go back and forth on then? Their offense and especially like how their offense will hold up in close games in the fourth quarter of playoff games. You, um, you're not a you're not a Ant Ant Man. No, of course I'm. I I think he's great, but okay. like um, I I think they can they kind of slip into some over reliance on him at the end of games sometimes and. Uh, like if if we're just purely talking about a Nuggets Timberwolves matchup, for instance, um, this is where the Nuggets have thrived. And if you want to look at this this ten game stretch in particular, they've played seventeen clutch minutes in in this stretch, um, which is inside of five minutes left in the game, five points or fewer. Uh, their defensive rating in those 17 clutch minutes is 68.6. That's absurd. Do you know um, that um, maybe you were getting to this, but I think that they have the number one clutch defense in the NBA. They do. As a whole for the season, they are number one um, in the league. And and again, I think that's the most encouraging thing about this stretch. We saw it against Milwaukee, how they sort of tightened the screws when they needed to after the Bucks made a run in the fourth. Uh, we definitely saw it against Boston with Aaron Gordon on fumes playing the entire second half. Um and and I, I don't know. I think if Minnesota like gets into a lot of ISO ball at the end of a game in a playoff game, I kind of trust the Nuggets guys defensively to uh, to make life difficult on them. So I, I I don't know. I mean, you asked a regular season question, so that's kind of the what's uh what's the Nuggets best closing lineup? And uh, that is a extremely loaded question yeah, given the context of what we were just talking about. Is and and and. and I'm going to call myself a prisoner to the moment. Um, does Peyton Watson, how, how much does Peyton, how much does Michael Malone consider riding with Peyton Watson at the end of games? Over, we're just going to say, we're going to say they have a five point lead with three minutes left in the game and Michael Porter Jr. is out there. Does he yank Porter for Peyton? I think circumstantially you look at doing that completely. Okay, so he thinks about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen Watson close some games and. Now, if, so, look, if we want to talk about, like, the trust level from Malone and all that and, and the lack of experience, uh, this is one area where the Boston game is maybe a little revealing in terms of, like, 
pump the brakes just a tiny bit because would you say he told on himself maybe it, we we joked about this in fact in specific reference to to my, your my, verbiage my pet, um, my, pet, my pet phrase on last week on the pod but in that game uh watson guards tatum end of first quarter beginning a second quarter um during some kcp rest minutes tatum goes off for a brief stretch um scores 10 to 12 points something like that in that in that little run um Obviously, like, no disrespect to Peyton Watson for that because he's been incredible against some really tough assignments this season, and Tatum is just, like, a borderline top five player in the league. So that's going to happen. But in the second half of that game, what does Malone do? He starts mirroring uh, KCP's minutes with Tatum's instead. And, like, ideally with Watson, you have reached a point by the playoffs where he – and KCP, one of them can be on the floor at all times in sort of the way that that you look at it offensively with Joker and Murray, that you can maybe look at it that way defensively with those two guys and say, okay, when it is second unit minutes and when the opponent is staggering one star player with their second unit, we have a guy out there yeah. who we absolutely trust to guard that guy. How amazing is it that we're, we're talking about Peyton and KCP in the same conversation no, totally. yeah. in, in that... A, they're trumpeting KCP for first-team All-NBA defense, but B, KCP's a shooting guard, and mm-hmm. Peyton yeah. Watson is a 3-4, I would lean more of a 4. Eh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a hybrid 3-4, maybe 50-50, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and yet he is capable of guarding 2s, 3s, 4s. There's a world that when he gets stronger, I could see him playing small ball 5. Um, certainly Aaron Gordon's a lot thicker than him and can play that mm-hmm. backup 5, but I, I don't, you know, Forgive me, I haven't listened to every single one of your guys' podcasts, but um, like, if we just accept that the starters are the starters and they're going to go as far as Joker goes, Peyton is among the like top two or three most important storylines of the season, and maybe like the I mean, he's honestly that high because on your second unit, who after Aaron Gordon comes out. I mean, you can't play him. You can't play him forty-eight. Like, who is your trustworthy backup big? They clearly don't trust Zeke. DJ is. I think he's had spurts, but do you trust him in the in 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 the big moments in the playoffs? Not necessarily. And I think this season is all about developing Peyton, but also developing trust from Malone in Peyton. And last night against Giannis, um, he had a handful of great defense. When AG gets five fouls and he comes out, it's like, you have a replacement for Aaron Gordon, Mm -hmm. who they were also trumpeting for all defense last year. Like, they got three, like, plus, plus defenders who can all switch two through four. And if you can live with Joker on the five and Jamal on the one and, and, and hide them in some capacity. You have three bullish guys who with long range and crazy wingspans and um, can navigate screens and AG's block on Dame was, you know, probably the play of the game. And, and Peyton does that, like those types of blocks, like once a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, I just think that, you know, Malone used the, the word unlimited uh, in terms of potential for Peyton and, and we haven't even talked about his offense, but defensively, he just gives you so much. Um, my my pressing question that you know I would like to ask Malone is, what was he thinking when Calvin Booth drafted a dude who averaged twelve minutes a game at UCLA and three points for the for the Bruins? Is he like, dude, what are you doing, or what do you 
you know, what do you see in this guy? And Peyton might be the shining example of, damn, we can't, it's hard for us to question what Calvin's doing because this guy has a very unique vision and uh, a very, is very good at projecting talent. Yeah. Has a, Peyton has a chance to really be sort of the gem of, of Calvin Booth's first, already very successful sort of early drafting history as a GM. Yeah. So um, to to your point about the end of games, I think like it kind of depends on feel. If it's a one-point game and MP- you need some offense. And MPJ is is five for eight from three in the game, I think it's hard to pull him uh, in those kinds of situations for a guy who is younger and hasn't been through that ringer as much. But to, I mean, the one that you brought up, five points lead, three minutes left. Like That's what happened last night. Exactly. Against, against it, uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, it's hard to avoid that. Um, you you also, you touched on it, but Aaron Gordon, before he fouled out, had two amazing defensive possessions late in that game with the block on Lillard and also a really tough uh, sort of standing up to Giannis in the lane, putting a good contest on it and forcing a miss with about a minute left. Um, those are kind of the possessions that won them the game is, is Gordon being able to make a play on both of those superstar players um who are very different types of players and and dame was pedestrian last night yeah Mm -hmm. like i think he had 15 points he was pedestrian dame and kcp flustered him um kcp i mean he mirrored his minutes last night by the way Mm -hmm. like they would sub in um you know we didn't even mention doc rivers coaching milwaukee bucks coaching debut would sub in dame with five seconds left and and malone would say kcp get in there yeah five seconds left and, he, and and you know it was kind of shadowing them um so i don't even know who their best defender is it might just be a backcourt frontcourt thing um but it's almost like you have to put your marketing might behind one of them you got and they've 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 put their capital behind kcp this year for i mean for obviously good reason yeah yeah no definitely um those three guys defensively changes the dynamic. I completely agree. Watson's, Watson is one of the biggest stories of the season. Um, you, you, uh, Mike, you, you haven't been on the pod in months. You haven't had a platform to express your takes, of which I know you have plenty. Um, I was wondering, just like as you look around the league, who I mean, are there any takes that you've been dying to? to throw out there, but, but you've just been repressed and not had the chance to do it. Or you had mentioned mentioned teams that uh, you were talking about just those teams in the West, for instance, like uh, teams that seem most threatening to Denver right now. um, Things within the nuggets. I mean, look, I I was at the last two games, Philly and and Milwaukee, and it's hard to judge the Philly game for obvious reasons. uh, But the Milwaukee game, like I'm watching, um, Malik Beasley come off the bench and uh, and he's your defensive guy. He's your mm. the guy you've circled to be your stopper. He takes some of the most egregious defensive angles I've ever seen, uh, and I'm like, that's your guy. That's going to be your stopper. And I just, it's hard for me to believe like that Milwaukee's not can't like the Milwaukee doesn't need to improve in that in that facet. Um, Philadelphia for kind of the for kind of the reasons that we talked about the competitive stuff. I'm not sure that I totally buy. Um, I don't know. Embiid's, I mean, the dude has a long injury history. I'm not sure that he's ever going to achieve what he wants to achieve, but maybe he's already achieved what he wants to achieve given that he won an MVP. And you know, he, he, that used to be his goal. Um, I definitely think Boston is, is the team. I think that they are beyond loaded. I, I mean, 
I loved when they got Chris Depps. I th- I th- just think he is a total matchup nightmare. Gives them a total different look. Like nobody really matches up well against them. Derek White's playing out of his mind. So that would be a, a beautiful uh, NBA Finals um, of and just incredible like chess match and and defensive scheming it we would saw be it within that one game it was it was incredible and the fact that malone treated it as i think you wrote this uh, on, on occasion i'll see something you write bennett in, <laughs> and and my thumb will accidentally <laughs> slip on the article and then lo and behold i have to read it when it moment when it uh opens up but then my but then my phone decombusts and says you can't read this crap yeah, yeah. um no but to, to when he treated it like a playoff game it is there are certain games that matter more whether malone believes it or not can I? Oh, I got another point to make. Mm-hmm. Um, when a star player sits out uh, a game, we wow, we're circling back. No, 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 no. This is this, I've, this is something I've thought about because I've asked Malone this question a million times. When X player, let's just say, all right, let's just say they're playing the Kings and De'Aaron Fox is missing the game. Okay. How, when you ask Malone, how does De'Aaron Fox's absence affect your guys's game plan? Malone gets all bent out of shape. It, it doesn't. We do the same thing. We have our game plan. We stick to it. Well, you can't say that and then get butt hurt when Joel Embiid sits out and say, well, it threw a wrench in our game plan. It's either one or the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It either You either want the guy there and you game plan for him or you can't be upset when he's not there and then say, eh, you know, it changes our game plan. It irritates me because he's not consistent. And if I was still covering him day to day, I would have made that point when Embiid sat out. You say your game plan doesn't change. Well, well in this was instance, it a game it's plan did. thing though, or was it more of a more of a competitive focus thing that, that he was sort of identifying in that moment? I mean, fine. I mean, uh, Paul Reed. Paul Reed. <laughs> Paul Reed is not as imposing as Joel Embiid. Certainly. So, not. so he doesn't command as much attention. Um, if you, if you, you know. Don't even bat an eye when Paul Reed is there instead of Joel Embiid. Good for you. But it looked like they batted an eye. Mm-hmm. It looked like they had yeah. some com- – their defensive game plan was not the same or the defensive engagement was not the same. So it's just a thing that 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 irritates me because it's a, they're, they're realistic questions. When De'Aaron Fox is out, how does it change when the, you know they don't have this electric guard? Well, it doesn't change. Yeah, it does, dude. Enlighten us. Pull back the curtain. Tell me how it changes in some capacity when you have a different guard, you know, operating the Kings. Wow. Beat beat writer airing of grievances. I was sitting on that one for four years. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I hope that can be therapeutic. What what do you think about the the pecking order of those other three West teams with Minnesota, OKC, and and Clippers? Um man. I find flaws with all of them, but I think that they can all I think that they can all beat the Nuggets. Um, I think that uh, I know that there's real concern with how Minnesota matches up. I know we talked about this before, but if they were healthy last year, is a longer series. Um, now they got another year under, the, under their belts, and they are really, really good. And I just love they have size. Their their defensive switching capability is impressive. Um, I said, you know, the last time I was on this podcast with you guys, who's who's the team that you look at for the next five to ten years that you would want to trade places with? And you guys were hemming and hawing and stuttering and stammering, and I was like, dude, NBA 2K mode, look at OKC. They are so dangerous. And lo and behold, hell yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I called this. Uh, okay. But, <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, like, if you're, if you're an NBA observer, how do you not call this? Like, OKC is loaded. 
from a prospect perspective, from an asset perspective, like, and the, the young is all hell. Um, and then the Clippers, the problem is, is that the Nuggets just own the Clippers, like <laughs> mentally, like, I don't know what the match, I don't know what it is in like their last 15, but it's markedly in Denver's favor. Um, and that being said, you know what I was very wrong on was um, James Harden. I thought it would mess everything up. I thought there would there's only one ball. I thought there would be pecking order issues. I thought there would be ego issues. And to Ty Lue's credit, man, he's got that that thing humming. Um, so I was very wrong on that. I did not think it would be so seamless, but they are scary. Um, and, and maybe because of their experience, their collective experience and their collective failures, maybe they're the most scary. Uh, so I did a... a- mid-season power ranking of of top 15 in the NBA based on championship capability alone, not on like anything else. And I had the Clippers higher than those other two teams. Uh, I don't think OKC is prepared for Denver in a seven-game series right now. Uh, Probably not. But Here's why. Okay. They, they, they need... They need some a losses, bigger, some scars. They five. need some scars. They do need that, that for sure. Um, they need some Jokic arm scars. But they... they also need a bigger five who can sort of handle Jokic for a whole series. Uh, like if they're stuck putting Chet on Jokic over seven games, like he might have his uh, he might we, have his cake for a couple games. He might have seven blocks in game one of a series. But you think Jokic isn't just going to completely wear him down and bully him he's over, brittle. over the course of he's the a seven game boy. series? Yeah, I th- I think of Chet as a four. Um, I think a lot of people think of Chet as a four. I think the Nuggets think of Chet as a four. Um, then do they have a five? I, in fact, MPJ told me um, that he they view Chet, Chet. As, okay. as a four. Like, like, um, so the, like, do that's they have a five he, or no? I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to put like, like Jalen Williams, the J Will, not J Dub, on on Jokic in a lot of minutes and have him like try to take charges a bunch like over the course? They'll of the do series? the like, um, they'll do the uh, PJ Tucker on joker with lou dort and they'll put lou dort on him who's a defensive beat. no I mean, yeah he can, i mean that's that's there's some gimmick defenses there but there are definitely some gimmick defenses but you can't do it for a whole series no um and, and you're right i don't think you have I, to mix things up and at some point i think you have to have just a dude who can be big on him occasionally and can sort of match his physicality on post-ups because uh in the fourth quarter in close games when the nuggets sort of need a bucket they're just going to go to bread and butter they're going to either go two-man game with Jokic and Murray or they're going to post up Jokic and force the defense to make a decision on him you want to know what's crazy about like Joker I was watching it last night when he staggers with um, Reggie Jackson or when Jamal's on the bench like the pick and roll works just as well I'm sure the numbers don't bear Mm -hmm. that out but there's like but Reggie will like come off a roll and he can either hit the floater or can like hit that little pocket pass back to Joker and it works just as well as with Jamal. Like the dude is the dude is an algorithm. Like you put him into the system and it works. Like I you know, James Harden's a system, Joker's a system. Like he everybody works around him. I mean, Reggie Jackson's kind of been a revelation, hasn't he? Yeah, he's struggled lately. Um I again I think when you when you put him in pick and roll or or some of that give and go stuff with Jokic, that's kind of when he's been at his best. Yeah. Um he's he uh, he's gone into a shooting slump. I don't have the numbers in front of me. So like lately there there have been some rough stretches with that. But as a whole, I'm like the team has definitely been extremely happy with what Jackson has been relative to expectations, I think. Um obviously he's a guy who wasn't even playing rotation minutes in the playoffs last year so to ask him to come on and be your sixth man your sixth man um 
especially during that stretch when Murray was injured earlier in the season. Like he has been a crucial aspect of, uh, of their second, success. Yeah. Um, unless you've got anything else, I think we're going to finish up with, with a game that Aaron Ontiveros has curated for I'm, us. I'm game. Let's hear it. We are, uh, this is my first year on the Nuggets beat. Um, I was covering the Avs previously, as as many of our listeners know. Um, they're all big hockey fans. So um, I was curious when you ever make Avs comparisons, like you did during the playoffs last year. <laughs> uh-huh. How many of those like landed or resonated, or they just go over people's heads? That's a good question. I remember that like two a.m. or three a.m. podcast we did after the Lakers game. One of the, I think after they won the uh-huh. Lakers series. I think we threw in some baseball references. I think we threw in some <laughs> hockey references. We were delirious, though. I mean, that was what did we eat? Like, was do we have Bojangles that night at like two or three in the morning? Uh, might have been Jack in the Box. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack in the Box. Yeah, that was nice. Hello from Inglewood. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> I was thinking recently, like I don't. You're you're probably right. Like it doesn't resonate that much with people, but this is a crazy time in Denver sports history. Like. The day that Jokic hit the... Says the 24-year-old transplant. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying, though, like the day that Jokic hit the buzzer beater in Golden State, yeah. uh, McKinnon scored a, an overtime game winner for the second straight game that night as well. And it was just one of those things where like... And then Jokic is having some of his best games of the season on the road. Last week, McKinnon had like two four-goal games. It's just like 20 years from now, I think people will look back and be like, oh my God, these were like MVP, like like top of the line Hall of Famer. Uh, type athletes playing on multiple teams here at the same time in their prime. It's just kind of a cool thing. For sure. It's a good thing everybody in uh, in town can watch the games. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> um, Keep going. Uh, but yeah, I have no idea if the Avs stuff resonated. So Mike, you covered the Nuggets for five seasons uh, before me. There's a greater sample size of work for you, but what uh, what I've had Aaron pull is a group of leads from game stories um of nuggets games either you wrote the lead or i wrote the lead and so he's going to read us some of these uh leads as okay ambiguously as possible and we're going to guess whose byline it was okay aaron hit it let's get the elephant out of the room who's a better beat writer (laughs) it's Uh, it's 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 probably bennett it's mike and it's fine but let's do. I want to play this game. I'm excited this, about this, this game. This is the Jokic and Bead thing. We're, we like it's just fan stuff. We you know we're, we're Bennett hasn't so. led the team to a title yet. He was a late season acquisition <laughs> last year, as we know. Uh, but but do yeah, they make he, it all the way he, without he my contributions? Off the bat, did yeah. we get he, Bennett on the buyout market? A la Reggie Jackson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. And he he kind of carried through a stretch when Mike was out with. Uh, baby duty. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was an injury, but baby duty. No, that I was guess. crucial paternity leave. I mean, clinching game against the Suns. I mean, like the whole Phoenix series. I that skipped. was my first Nuggets game. Someone, story. someone yeah. on the Nuggets coaching staff told me that they thought that I was going to skip the conference finals and just come back for the finals. <laughs> it did not happen. You know, I was kind of expecting you to come in today wearing a championship ring, uh, having had the run that you did with the team, but no such luck. Yeah, you know, beat writers don't get any any bling, but um. If you did, how often would you wear it? If you're if you're a basketball purist, then you know that that you know you can't be wearing the rings like that. That's like where we're. I might wear man. it. I might wear it every day. If I had twenty four seven. If I had a championship ring, I might rock it. I might rock it every day, and you know, it's only it's, how many times in your life you're going to get a championship ring? I would flaunt that thing. 
all day, every day, regardless if anybody else was wearing a championship ring. <laughs> I would rock that thing. I think so. I would blind people. On a necklace or just on your finger? I, I, I'll keep it subtle. I'll keep it on my finger. Yeah, let them know. We let them know. All right. So I let, don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> let's get to the game. This is like when Matt reads his emails at the end of the pod. This is way better than when <laughs> Matt reads the emails. <laughs> Please send those emails to mschubert at denverpost.com. All right. Now to the game. <clears throat> I'm going to read these. I just pasted them in no particular I'm, order. Can I add a caveat? I think I suck at writing leads. I really do. So the crappier the lead, the more likely it is to be me. You weren't winning lead of the day a bunch? No, I actually was, but there I still think they sucked. Are you seeding round to Bennett in the power ranking for best beat writer all time? <laughs> I already seeded it. Can you read the damn thing? All right. Vigilance became more vulnerable to vanish once the losing this is streak Bennett, did. This is a thousand percent. It's done. At it's least. Bennett's. It's not even a question. Go. It's next one. How did you know it was Bennett? Because I never have, have... You're not an alliteration guy? I am an alliteration guy. <laughs> I know guy. who the alliteration guy is on staff. I figured that was a dead giveaway. So when I said no particular order, that was the first one. It's Bennett. We knew it would I'm be all, I also know it's me, yeah. <laughs> all right, number two. Try a, try a better selection than that. Come on. I mean, you have a small sample size. I know. Mike it's a, has, it's, Mike it's has a tough five, five years it's a tough of ask. beat writing. It's fine. I hope you pulled at least one like 2019 game. And half of your leads also are defending champion or things of that nature. So it, it's so difficult. Aaron had, so Aaron yeah, had fair. to, so you have to couch, you have to cover it up a little bit. I edited them slightly just yeah. to try to Respect. Hide, hide the fact. I like that, this game. Keep going. All right. Ready? But we're not going to miss on this, I don't think. Inspired by a singular mission, Nuggets coach Michael Malone might have set a personal record for uh, spent time too. between the locker room and press conference podium you, Thursday that, night. That one's unfair because that was like five days ago i remember you've been that. riding on the beat for five days it's hard to find anything <laughs> yeah, beyond that time on. frame you could go back to october or something like <laughs> in october you were talking a lot about mid-season tournament and uh it was that's it, it that's was another, difficult that's because that's like too. dead that's giveaway funny. all right keep I, going i have a lot of mediocre leads too but i think i had a good one off of that Knicks game i think i wrote the uh nuggets longest road trip of the season ended with a kick in the butt and a poke in the eye that was nice. That's that is tasty. nice. That's really good. Thanks. I don't think Mike ever pulled anything <laughs> like that. Uh, the retaliation never came. Instead, boos were all Heat Nation could muster. Nugget superstar Nikola Jokic <laughs> made his triumphant return <laughs> and systematically sliced the Miami Heat to shreds. Miami's don't tell me I don't like alliteration. One, that, that's mine dissected. too. I haven't written the Nugget Heat game stories. <laughs> he moment, even, moments he, after he didn't like alliteration, he dude, systematically he sliced Bennett, them to shreds. Bennett hasn't even been to Miami. Yeah, like he yeah, doesn't that's even not for another month and a half. <laughs> that's after. That's after. That's the first game that uh, Joker went to Miami after he leveled oh, wow. Markeith Morris and Joker's brothers were sitting behind the bench and it became this big thing like the Joker brothers have descended on, on South Beach. No regular season visits, but last year you remember Bennett heroically went to the beach, sans sunscreen, and ended up... <laughs> Looking like a lobster? Looking yeah. like he was wearing a heat jersey. <laughs> he might have even he just been wanted to than that. He just wanted to blend in. He just wanted them to know. Yeah, okay. All right. It's one thing being forced to play to every last breath. The Miami Mike. Heat seemingly have built their season on such close game premise. It's another thing to do it at a mile high altitude. It's Mike. Oh, it's got to be if you haven't dealt with. You can't, you can't keep bringing up the heat. <laughs> but it was at mile high altitude. You just said you hadn't been to Miami. But they this haven't been here either. Well, you're out of luck on that one then. Was it? Did you know who it was? Say it again. Was it me? 
I think it's Bennett. I don't think I've written that. It's one thing being forced to play every last breath. The Miami Heat seemingly have built their season on such a close game premise. It's Bennett. I've never oh, written It is another wow. thing to it's do at a mile ridden. high altitude. Yeah. Yep. What? I've never written every last breath. What? I've never dramatized any crap like that. <laughs> what story is that? Um, I'm pretty sure that one was Mike. I don't think so. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that one is Mike. Is I, it? I would never dramatize something like that. That's I believe it was, from, Shelly, it was from years ago. What? How many years ago? <laughs> Two. That's Dang, great. You just Multiple cooked. Years. You just cooked with that one. <laughs> I found one. That's awesome. Trick Dang. question. Mike's not a real student of the game. That's All awesome. Right. Much to the rest of the NBA's chagrin, the Nuggets' supposedly weak second unit was a leading mine. catalyst for their improved offense in recent road games. Like, we can go on to the next one. I like it's the mine. word chagrin too, though, so I could It's mine, that. and I like catalyst. It's mine. You're taking credit for we're that? B- we're both chagrin guys. Are you t- Are you acknowledging it's mine, Ben? I think it's probably yours, but but I feel like we should vary on at least one, so I'm going to take a, take a roll of the dice and say it's me. Mike is wrong again. That's it's a, me? That's a Bennett. From 23 December 2023. Oh. oh. I'm off my game. <laughs> Ouch. I was like, Chagrin really could. I don't know. I love Chagrin and Catalyst. Yeah. Well, this sucks. Well, if you had gotten to the next like line. Like I said, I'm a student of the game. I was reading you. I Bennett, was picking up on your Bennett tendencies. Bennett dropped his, his tell in the next line. Maybe it was only a matter of time before a slip. Sometimes a defending champion starting five can carry mm. the load. Noted. Mike's eager. He's, you got to yeah. wait till the, the tells come. Okay. Okay, this keep going. Is, this is I mean, a great I'm, game. I'm up big now, so. Five players were injured and two players were ac- were caught in trade purgatory. That Mike. didn't stop Jokic and the Nuggets this is from the stunning Utah game. the Utah this is Jazz the Utah Wednesday game that night. I referenced. <laughs> Denver had just seven players at its disposal, and it didn't matter. The Nuggets earned their most improbable and unlikely victory of the season, a 98-95 thriller. Yep, we talked about that one. 2019-20 season. That's Hall of Fame singer right there. Nice. Okay, money. You totally good. redeemed yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you did. I think Bennett has taken the crown, number one beat writer all time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Based what? on recognition of our of our past leads. Yeah. Based on recognition of wow. past leads. He has yeah. better recall. You said you knew every story that you've ever written before the pod. He has five <laughs> days worth of recall to worry about. Yeah, but I knew I knew one one was yours. That's respect. And you took credit for his work. His work was so good, you wanted it to be your own. It's plagiarism. He said I would. He said I wouldn't dramatize it like that. <laughs> you know I, what that is? That's telling on yourself. It is. So He's out bad. here telling on himself. I told you, I'm not good at leads. <laughs> I told you, but I. But at least I prefaced it with that. But you are good at ping pong, and we're going to find out soon. Who the real champion is. Who the real champion is. That's going to determine who the better beat writer is. It will, yeah. That's that's first on the agenda as soon as we stop this recording. When What's it comes to ping pong, I, I got to give it credit to Mike. He's the face of the league right now. That's true. Mike is the face of the league. He's number yeah. one in the power rankings. It's undisputable. Yeah. I think his career record against you must be 102 and six. It's not that bad, but I got to try and dethrone him for sure. Well, on the next podcast, you can report back on how uh, this next hour goes. We'll be back with Matt Schubert next time. Um, you can applaud that or uh, or weep if you would like. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for coming in, Mike. It was relatively fun. I, I see you're cheesing right now. You are. Because I'm about to wax you in ping pong. <laughs>
you 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 just can't get away is what it is you were at so many nuggets games i know it's a uh, that's fair you can't let go you that's can't fair. let go yeah that's true again relatively fun thanks for having me on until next time this is nuggets inc Another dragon, Master Ace, spitting the burning passion is about to be a catastrophe. Thought I was the only survivor, but at last we meet. Like the food vegans don't eat. I know you can see the infernal blaze. We would probably burn the stage and leave it with third degrees. And inside of us is an internal blaze. Blazing eternally like a furnace, but it's so hot it's burning. The furnace is framed. Your family and furniture isn't safe. Better evacuate, cause the skill we can calibrate reduces the chances of your survival. If you ever try to retaliate, so dance to this recital so you can slowly gravitate towards us. Who needs a chorus when you're hotter than Earth's core is? No strings attached, we're no puppets, yo, we're cordless. I fly. Even when I'm hurt, yo, that's soaring Your skill isn't apparent, it's an orphan We proceed to spit the verse That takes your spirit and lifts it high into the earth's Atmospheres don't come Atmosphere of influence, you squares I take a spear and put it through ya yeah, I raise the stakes high Medium rare, you're the least of the media's fears Why he's the reason the media's scared Please be prepared to be impaired Go see repairs, defeating people in pairs Jordans, I thought I needed pairs To be compared to the people in pairs <laughs> This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience. Gather round hip hoppers as if you're still living. Still got love for the game, I'm still giving, and still driven. Like Diddy in the Maybach. I've been repping for the city since way back. All y'all rappers better stay back Cause you still can't find me I'm a needle in a haystack A rare breed sitting high up in the chariot While y'all dudes getting high up in the Marriott Well, consider this your wake-up call If you're married to the game, it's the breakup call And you ain't wearing a crown if you're not tearing it down You clowns get found right there in the ground Six feet, dirt nap, that's because your shit's weak I'm a giant, you a pipsqueak Welcome to my kingdom, yup, throne has an occupant Read my name at the bottom of the document Check the scroll Give it good times like Esther Roll. Peace to keep the E, God bless the soul Trying to get more checks to hold On some slick brick, Mr. T-shit Big chest of gold And the flow still extra cold Like the North Pole, cocaine snow Another lost soul Bow down, it's the Grand Royal, yup 20 plus years in the game, still the fans loyal